What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Hello, welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango. Um, we are doing a MOIF. In my opinion, is fact as fact. Is fact. It's moif. 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 <laughs> For the French listeners out there, this is a moif. <laughs> um, man, where to begin? Where to begin? Uh, I had a hot pot for the first time last night. Oh, eighteen months with Chris Chen. We went to Heidi Lau. Um, mm. I've actually never been to Heidi Lau, which is like. One of the most successful restaurant chains in the universe. Hmm. Do you know what it is? I don't. What style is it? Heidi Lau is hot pot. It's like worth like like twelve billion dollars or something like that. <laughs> it's like hot hot pot that's beloved like Chipotle. You know, it's mm. weird. I don't know how, but I'll be honest. Having seen their operation, wildly impressed. Although, um, especially with the COVID protocols, none of it was. Um, what should I say? I hope they're recycling everything. You order whatever you want, your meats, your vegetables, it all comes prepped out in a plastic delivery box. Oof, yeah. And you, I, I mean, when I walked into the restaurant, I didn't understand what was going on because first you had to wait a while, right? Because of the seating. But um, I was like, are people bringing in food? Oh, what's going on? Because there's white plastic boxes and 12-ounce soup paper cups piled high everywhere. I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> And when you order uh-huh. everything, they just everything comes pre-portioned out. Even the hot foods, right? They had these mm-hmm. shrimp balls and really delicious stuff, and it just looked like I was ordering delivery, but in the restaurant. 
Interesting. So the food doesn't come out. And on, then I'm cooking my own food. And not on yeah. plates. It's in bo- no. everything's boxed. No. Interesting. And I think it's um in some ways I'm like, this is genius. Because right. you can plate your food a week in advance if you have the refrigerator room. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're right, though. That sounds extremely painful from an environmental standpoint. Just looking at plastic boxes seems rough. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about Hot Pot, if you've never really had it, is you get to make your own sauce, your dipping sauce. And I was not able to do that. You have to tell somebody how to do it. Oh, no. And yeah, it was really, really, really bad. So, like, I, I came back and I said, I need one of everything. And the dipping sauce is all pre-portioned out in plastic deli containers. Oh. So in order to make my cuvee of dipping sauce, I had like nine different deli <laughs> containers just for this one sauce. Yeah. And uh, Heidi Lao is like a Sichuan style, like spicy hot pot. Uh, yeah. And my body has not had anything like this. Yeah. How's that like hot, hot, eating? I've had Sichuan food plenty of times because the SGV has it in spades. But I've never, when you consume hot pot, it's different kind of, consumption of super spice. And I thought about choosing your broth and getting it the pickled cabbage broth, which it would be more like the the broth that is also Sichuan based, mm-hmm. but not mala and not super spicy. Uh, our friend Chris, our partner in Major Doma, tried it, ordered it, and it was delicious. And I decided to go with the the medium spicy, normal, original Heidelau hot pot flavor. And again, I think more or less hot pots are a lot, they're better and, you know, they're they're the same for the most part. But if you go to really good ones, they do make a difference. The broth was outstanding. Mm-hmm. But it was my consumption of the chilies and the Sichuan peppercorns that just ultimately... Yeah, how's that tum-tum doing? It's a, it hasn't been a good day. <laughs> <laughs> it has not been a good day uh... at all. And I knew so... Like when I start sweating over food, it's totally different than sweating when I work out and, and I'm mm-hmm. running. Sure. When you can't just stop sweating for like an hour after you work out. I start sweating from the top of my head, which dribbles down my neck. I just like, it looks like I'm just pouring water out of my pores. And that started to happen. So you have to get a whole extra set of napkins. And um, the top of your head. <laughs> I was also mad because it was a little bit like a Top Gun, Naked Gun uh when OJ Simpson got put his foot in the bear claw trap, the bear trap, and then get shot, all the the thing about hot pot that I think is underrated and it's it's danger is the splatter. Mm. Is the splatter, the oil splatter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I I was wearing a pair of pants and <laughs> I did one of these things. I was like, oh no. I got an oil splat on my pant and I tried uh-huh. to like fix it up and then I knocked over with my elbow something else that spilled over on me. It was oh, it was a man. real experience. And I'm going on and on and on because I still love hot pot. I encourage you guys all to go get hot pot as difficult as it was to wake up this morning at four in the morning <laughs> in pain. So much pain. Like I, an alien was coming uh. out of me. Um I missed hot pot so much. And I have made hot pot at home. And you can make great hot pot at home. But you know what sucks? Having to make it at home. Absolutely. And um, I just love hot pot. It's amazing. And if it's not in your area, I I don't know. Do you guys crave hot pot? Yeah. Yeah. 
I love hot pot. It was one of the last meals I actually ate in March of 2020 before uh, the pandemic hit the United States. It was a, uh, it was in Alhambra actually in your neck of the woods. It was it was amazing. It was awesome. I love hot pot. It is your your right to point out that it's not something that you want to wear your best clothing. No, to. no, no, no. You can't. You can't. You have to wear something you're you're willing to put immediately in the laundry. So that's really to the point. I, I I don't even know what's going to be asked question-wise by Supercomputer. But this is a long, mm. long preamble of me basically saying, not that I just love hot pot and you should go eat it, especially if you've been vaccinated. It has basically been me thinking all day for 24 hours pretty much that the bib is underrated. Oh, okay, okay. I feel very strongly that we need to make a concerted effort to organize, collude with other restaurants and bring the bib back. <laughs> and not just like baby bib. And like the bib gets a bad rap because you got the plastic thing. Yeah, you know, it yeah, doesn't yeah. Even, It just doesn't work, you know? There was a restaurant that uh, Little Meg took me to in Tokyo several years back. Name and, drop. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they, they, they bring out this, uh, <laughs> this giant napkin. It's like three by three. It's giant. It's almost like a tablecloth. And then they open up a box. And in the box are different kinds of uh, chains with clips on them. And different oh, kinds man. of beads and jewelry. And this is a, a classic Kaiseki restaurant that you, in Tokyo. That's one of the invite-only places that you have to show up in time. You can only make a reservation when you leave. The name is escaping me. Uh, the chef passed away last year. Anyway. You choose your necklace with the clips on it, like you're going to the dentist, and then they take the giant square, fold it over into the triangle, and they clip it around you. So now this bib is now, it's going from your shoulders all the way down to basically covering your groin area. It's like you're, like you're getting a haircut. Yeah, you're getting a haircut. But you feel like, wow, I'm wearing bling. I can eat anything. I'm wearing bling. It's like blinged out, like diamonds and shit on there. I don't know what it was, but like you got to choose... The necklace, basically, that holds your bib. And that's when I was like, we need to just bring this back. And I was really upset last night. The only downside to my Heidi Lau, and it wasn't just the, the too many to-go containers, it made me really lament that we don't have really nice bibs in restaurants. Mm -hmm. You think that we can ever make the bib come back? Or not even come back. It may never have been in existence. Well... A stylish bib like you're talking about, sure, right? Because people get even dressed if it's up so, I don't think people are going to wear it. Yeah, I guess people people wear outfits. People like plan their outfits out to meals and stuff. Are you do you, are you guys messy eaters? Let's start there. Do you consider yourself a clean eater or a messy? I'm eater? a very clean eater, but that's because I have like a little bit OCD. <laughs> are you clean or messy, Dave? You know, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever watch uh, MMA Ultimate Fighter stuff? Uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. like the octagon, the ring. You when you, whenever you look at the, the the actual canvas mat, and it's all just stained with shit everywhere. That's basically what my napkin and my 180 degree radius of, of my dining. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where wherever food can be picked up and brought to my mouth in all angles. Yeah, it's like one of those basketball shot things. It's like wherever I could. Uh, Take food. Right. There's right, the Kirk right. Goldsberry uh, shot so chart. So basically, every every possible angle that I can get food into my mouth, there's evidence. And mm. it's war. 
It's war. <laughs> it's a battle. But and there's shit everywhere. And for a long time, I was nervous and embarrassed. And um, now, I'll just push it over to somebody else. Yeah, I'll wipe so, it up. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Is we? I think we can talk about this because I don't. We, you and I were were shooting for the 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 Hulu show with a couple of people we're having uh, lunch or dinner with, and I don't think it'll make it to the show. But we should talk about. We were two people who had not mastered this art of okay, we're sitting here, maybe especially at a Chinese restaurant with a white tablecloth, and you don't want to have your area of the, your sector to be the messiest one. So you have to develop strategies to make sure the people around you, their portion of the tablecloth is just as messy. Dave was doing all sorts of advanced level techniques, including scooping from a bowl in the middle and making sure he brought the ladle over other people's mm. areas to drip before putting yeah. it into his. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's you, the old... Did, yeah, that that's important. That's a, one of a high, <laughs> high level. And I don't know if that made sense to you guys. There's a lot of different moves. This is, you know, like Simone Biles just did that like ridiculous mm. vault. <laughs> right. This yeah. is, I'm going to put on that level of difficulty. Okay. So let's just say directly in front of you to your like three o'clock is a plate of noodles in a saucy sauce. You know, you could theoretically pick up the noodles and then bring it to 12 o'clock and mm -hmm. bring it into your mouth. But, you know, it's going to drip onto you or right into your, like, lane. You're, like, you're, you're eating lane. So people right. are going to know. What you do is you have to plan when the, uh, the person to your right, if you're at table four or whoever to your right, is looking directly to their left like, nine o'clock so that it's not in their uh, periphery right. or like they're talking to the server, like they're looking up. What you <laughs> That's do, your moment. You, go, you go in very quickly and you pick up your chopsticks or whatever spoon and then you do the shake across <laughs> their lane. Oh, man. The mid-air so shake the, to yeah. dribble a little sauce into there. So... As another metaphor, it's like when you when you're driving down the freeway and you see like the adopt a highway sign. You never want like this section of the highway was adopted by David Chang. You don't want that shit to look dirty because you it's got yeah. your name on it. So yeah. you want to make sure that trash on that section of the highway goes to the Isaac Lee portion of the adopt the highway. Make sure his shit's all messy so your your area looks yeah. good. And you know, or breadcrumbs like that's another Ooh, thing. It's like move. you can you can even scrape it off yourself and then leave a little trail. Of, you can crumble some <laughs> when they're not looking on their side. Or what's better is you throw it under the chair or something like that. You know, just make them look like a mess. Because um, you can't, you can't, you can't keep yourself clean. You can't no. control that. But you can control how dirty the people around you are. <laughs> and you can't get caught doing this, guys. No. <laughs> the reason why nobody's ever talked about it is because the good ones never get caught. <laughs> I am amazed by this. Dave, Dave is the DB Cooper of messing up other yeah. people's sides of the table. Yeah, and I, I'll say what I see sometimes, and this is like a, a, a like a real noob move. They brush the stuff under their dinner plate. Mm. I'm like, no, man, you, come on, you're leaving evidence. You gotta, you gotta get other people in trouble. <laughs> yeah, because so, that dinner plate is gonna come up at some point, and then you're, and then all the bodies are gonna get found. Yeah. You wouldn't hide the bodies under your dinner table. Come on, you're right. So last night I had just war, like just just everything, just a mess, drip, fat everywhere, all in front of me. So of course I'm sweating. I asked for extra napkins. So like I clean myself and then I, I do a, a real big wipe in between my bowl where I'm eating and my little hot pot. I clean as much as I can. And then I hide some places where there's too much grease spot and I put some of the plastic cups 
And then when Chris wasn't looking, you put the napkin or on, his, on side. his side. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are these are things that are so important if you are want to be a professional yeah. eater. Yeah, dirty napkins. Uh, you, you don't want dirty napkins fucking your shit up either. I, yeah. I just I, like wh- why? Like why? Why is this necessary? Why can't you just eat clean? Do you know why it's necessary, Isaac? Here's why. Because if I'm looking at the table. I'm uh-huh. judging and I'm looking and I'm like, who, who's the messiest and who was the so you're smartest projecting, here? You're projecting. Come but on, I'm man. just saying, it. no, I'm not projecting. If I'm doing it and if Dave's doing it, other people are doing it too. The server's yeah. definitely doing it. Don't, don't stop, man. Like anybody that tells you that you're, they're not judging you while they're eating, they're just judging you right now and they're lying. <laughs> and they're judging you for not judging yourself. Come on, yeah. man. That's just like, what are you doing? Let yourself also, go. Also, another, another, another question that popped into my mind is, um, if you guys are capable of doing this at the dinner table, what else are you capable of doing? Like, <laughs> what knows, kind of crimes have you guys committed? We haven't, tried, we haven't committed? applied ourselves anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, only thing I've ever truly applied myself, like a, like David Blaine magician yeah. level kind of a, a application, is hiding food in, in the mess <laughs> messy trail. Like, you, you know, everyone's good at something. That is unfortunately my blessing in life. That's all we got. Nobody ever sees me actually putting my dirt trail of food on other people, and I have a very clean slate. <laughs> I, I wanted to give I wanted to give one shout out, one big big shout out to any individual that can wear something like a perfectly white shirt mm-hmm. and go eat noodles or something saucy and sloppy with mm-hmm. chopsticks, right, or whatever, and never get anything. Never get anything on them. The only place that I think has a high density of this consumption of food is in Hong Kong because of all the offices and blah, 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 blah. And and like the kinds of food there. I'm sure there's others, maybe Kuala Lumpur or whatever, but it's something I've always noticed. I think the people in Hong Kong that work in office buildings and they go eat like beef brisket soup or something, you know, that is saucy and messy and rice and whatever. You know, one of the things I do is I look to see how badly their shirts are messed up. But the problem is it never happens. They are the Mm-mm. most skilled eating clean people I've ever seen. Second is the people of Singapore because of the chili crab. Mm. I don't know how they don't get shit all over them, but it's only because I spent a little bit more time in Hong Kong. And the other thing I wanted to add just in general, I don't know how people in Asia... I don't know. This is actually maybe the most important, one of the most important things we've ever discussed. How, like Singapore especially, and Kuala Lumpur, places in Southeast Asia, if you've been there, and, and we're, you, I'm talking about eating at these locations because it's important. If you eat at a Singaporean restaurant here, they're giving you all kinds of things to clean your hands on. But in Asia, particularly in places like Singapore, they give you one tiny napkin. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, it's size, like a, and it's like a, it's less of a napkin than as a tissue, like a square of yeah, tissue. Yeah, it's like two ply of one sheet of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, you know, you yeah. sit down and you're like, oh man, we're gonna get into this chili crab, and that's the only napkin <laughs> they give you. A hundred percent, man. I'm a hundred percent. I don't. You're talking to about. me, I don't understand. It doesn't add up how they keep themselves clean. Yes, I know people bring their own Kleenex. That's one thing, but even still. <laughs> The Kleenex doesn't account for how they clean themselves. Like, it's the Mm -hmm. messiest food you could possibly eat. I don't understand it. It's like UFOs to me. It just doesn't make sense. And that, to me, is mastery of another level. Singapore, (laughs) Hong Kong. I don't know how they do it. 
Um, it's not like they're licking their fingers. It's just the sauce just disappears from their hands and there's nothing. But they're also not eating slowly. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not like they're eating mm-hmm. more carefully. They're still they're going for it in the way that you have to go for it. But somehow the mess doesn't splatter. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. No, I, in some ways this is tied to my Asian driver theory. Mm. <laughs> right, the best drivers mm-hmm. are Asian. <laughs> Just the rest of the world is doing it wrong. Hey, let me yeah. ask you this, Dave. Does does Hugo ever wear? Because my kids have these um, bibs, and now I'm thinking about products here that we could be developing developing here. But you know, does Hugo have any of those bibs that are basically like a rever- a jacket in reverse, where it actually has sleeves and it's something you, he puts on and it gets tied in the back? It's like having a jacket on but just backwards. No, he just has those rubber boat. Bibs. Oh, he's got the ones that catch the food. So sometimes yeah, yeah. we'll put my ki- my my son nowadays into these like basically it's a jacket with like elastic arms, like seals you up, and it makes me think, how sick would it be if you were in a in a noodle restaurant and you saw somebody walk in, and just take their jacket off and put it on backwards to eat oh. their soup to cover their Whoa. shirt that and just be... crush it. Like how amazing wow. would that move be? Somebody out there do this. And then we need to develop the reversible jacket that's like, oh, uh, inside is bib material that you Chris, can just swing off. This put is on a backwards, billion dollar idea. Eat. We cannot, we cannot let this air. <laughs> put your sport coat back on and walk out like nothing ever fucking happened. You know, that's what I'm talking about. We got we we to edit that. this out because we have, we have to actually make this company and sell, <laughs> and sell these products. <laughs> yeah, the so baby bib for adults. No, um, that's great though. That's that's an awesome idea, and people should do it. We should just uh, give that give that idea away for free. If if at any point, if anybody is listening, and you ever see Dave Isaac or myself in a restaurant, and it's like a noodle restaurant, please, for the love of God, if you're wearing a jacket, pull this move. I will do something very special for you. We'll put I'll you in buy the your dinner, Hall of Fame. I'll, yeah, we'll yeah. buy your we'll buy will, your meal on the spot. We see people this. in the real world flipping their jacket around, putting it on backwards, <laughs> and eating their food. Anyway. We should get into this. Let's get into the, the moif. Let's moif yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Let's actually take a quick ad break first and then and then we can moif it up. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Look to your left, look to your right. Yep, no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that most green powders and probiotics don't survive digestion? Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic is engineered in a two-in-one capsule to safeguard viability through digestion for complete delivery to your colon. A broad-spectrum probiotic and prebiotic formulated with 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains for whole body benefits, including gut, heart, and skin health. Visit seed.com slash Dave Chang and use the code 25DAVECHANG to start seeding today. That's code 25DAVECHANG to start seeding today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, 
financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right, for our first topic of the day, I think this is a pretty easy one and I think this is a pretty uh, a popular popular item in, in a lot of kitchens. Yellow mustard. Overrated or underrated? I think I know the answer. Hmm. Unless it's hmm. Coslix from Ontario or um, what I get at Philippe's, I'm not a fan of yellow mustard. I thought so. I thought so. Chris? Yeah, I think it's got very specific applications, but I'm, I'm, I was like, oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I was hoping in the time that Dave was talking, I could come up with one of those applications, but I've it's completely failing me. <laughs> I can't think of a single... I, Hot dogs? Are you yeah, yellow mustard yeah, on hot dogs? I was dogs about to say, I, I'm, I've, I've only liked mustard on hot dogs. Yeah. Yellow mustard on hot dogs, I think, is, yeah, is yeah. Uh, like, pretty crucial. You know, manufactured Caucasian yellow mustard is, is what I want on my hot dogs. Caucasian. Yeah, but even still, like, I don't, I, I'm not, I can't. Like, uh, hamburger where I can't taste it, like in a McDonald's or In N Out, that's fine. But, like, I'm not. <laughs> It's good if I can't as long taste it's it. It's not bothering me. I'm fine with it. It's not bothering me. I love but, Dijon. I, I just don't, I, you know, the people that slather it on their barbecue before it goes in for a long smoke, I love that because it's not like you're going to taste it either. It's just simply there as an adhesive. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm shocked by how popular mustard is, though. Doesn't it seem completely so, contrary to everything Americans want yeah. in their food? It makes no sense that yeah. people like mustard. It's crazy to me. So weird. It's so weird. Um, moving on. How do you guys feel about Beyond Meat or Impossible Burger or all these like vegan meat substitutes? Overrated or underrated? Uh, I am uh, <laughs> uh, pro Impossible because I because uh, you helped launch it. them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I will say yes, I am pro alternative meat, and I think it's just going to continue to grow and get better and. I think people should look at it how we look at dairy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't think it's here to take over all things and I am pro I'm pro animal husbandry that's done in a in the right way. But I also think that this thing is going to get better. You know, uh, Pat Brown, a, a founder of Impossible says the cow's not going to evolve into something more delicious, but this is going to get better and I you know, Chris and I talk about it a lot it's in the Atari phase. So, I don't know. It's to me surprising how much it's caught on over the past five years or so, but I think it's only going to grow. And if you ask people 25 years ago, would people have oat milk and soy milk and almond milk in their refrigerator? I don't think anybody would say, yeah, mm-hmm. if you know, are, are you allergic to dairy? I think most people that consume these alternative milks, they still have regular milk in their fridge too, maybe. Yeah. I think that if uh, sort of piggybacking on what Dave is saying, I think if, if you were a consumer who said impossible means or beyond or, or any of them is overrated. 
it would make no sense to be overrated on a sustainability or possibility or of necessity course. side of the of the coin. Of like, course. We need to figure out other ways of producing meat and protein to feed the population. You could maybe say it on a taste level. Maybe you don't like what it tastes like. Maybe you don't think it's a it captures the essence of meat that you want. But <laughs> to say it's overrated for that reason would be the only reason. But to Dave's point, it's only getting better. Like I remember tasting Impossible Burger, like the very, very, very earliest iterations and being like, damn, that is the most meat-like meat that's not from an animal I've ever tasted. And I remember tasting it within the last, I don't know, I probably had my last Impossible Burger two and a half weeks ago. And I've had a bunch in the last few months, especially because Dave and I have been looking into this stuff for the Hulu shows. And I was blown away by the difference, like the leap in the technology. Yeah. So it cannot be overrated to me for the morality of it, for the science of it, for the necessity of it. It could, I can understand if people think it's overrated for the taste, but like Dave said, cows only can, it has a, has a ceiling. The deliciousness on what we could maybe generate in this way can at least reach that ceiling. Uh, if not now, you know, in the future. So, um, I think they taste good now. Like it, it, it used to not to me, at least it used to not taste this as good as. Can, yeah. Looking. Can I also say one other thing? So we, I, we shot, you know, there's a place here in Oakland, uh, called Malibu's burgers and one door that this like impossible, like the meat stuff has opened up for people who are eating these products for vegan reasons. If you're an actual vegan eating these things, mm. one door that has opened up is like the possibility to eat like a big decadent cheeseburger. Like yeah. you couldn't, you yeah. couldn't do that before. I don't want a double Boca burger. <laughs> like I yeah, don't yeah, yeah. want a double garden burger, you know, but I Absolutely. do want like a big double cheeseburger that's made of, you know, impossible. So that's, if, if you're a vegan, I don't see how it's overrated. I do like impossible more than beyond though. And that's not just because I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm a fan <laughs> of impossible. I just think it tastes better. And I, yeah. I, I just don't like beyond. I think it's like Pepsi and Coke. People swear by both, but I just, I'm not a Pepsi drinker. Can I, ask you about lab-grown meat because that's something I'm really excited about and I would really love to taste one day is like meat that's grown without a brain attached to it. I love mm. that idea. Well, it's something that Chris and I are working on on the show that we can't talk too much about, but I oh, will okay. say that I, I, I believe it's an inevitability. Oh, yeah. And it's several years away from becoming anything, I think. I mean, people should start to think about the seismic shift of the questions that it's going to present to us, because if it's more energy efficient by some ridiculous number, like eight or 10 times more energy efficient for every calorie that goes in and calorie goes out, no suffering. Yeah. There's no and death involved in the production. Minim minimal environmental degradation. I think you, you'd be hard pressed to say no, if you really start thinking about it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, without giving away too much about the show, because this is this is a big part of it, and you'll see a lot of this when, when the show comes out, I will just say that Dave and I stood in the hallway of one of these, you know, lab-grown, or whatever you want to call it. I know they don't call themselves lab-grown meat companies. And just were kind of reeling with the questions that emerge from this, you know, the possibilities, and not just culinary, but like the implications of something like this are huge. And, you know, again, without giving away too much, we ate some lab-grown meat, and I don't think anybody can tell the fucking difference. Awesome. <laughs> That's a great teaser. People. Great teaser. Great teaser. All right. Uh, speaking of meat and things you put on meat, this is also kind of a layup. I also think I know the answer to this question, but 
A1 sauce. Overrated or underrated? Oh, shit. <laughs> you know what? I don't. I have no idea what Dave thinks. I have no idea. But I think I know. I think I know what both of you think. You think you know what Dave thinks about this? All right, well, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Interesting. G- give me the answer. Give me the answer. When I was a kid, I ate a lot of A1 sauce. And uh, I haven't had it for a while. But here, all I'll say is like, I can still taste it. <laughs> like I can still taste A one, and uh, it is a strong flavor. Here's yeah. here's here's. I don't know. I don't know if it's overrated or underrated. But you saying A one sauce just now kind of made me crave A one sauce. That's oh. all. That's all I know. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Where are you, Mister Chang? Are you thinking about it? Um, I think it's needed when you're eating bad meat. I am not someone that likes putting anything on steak unless it's. Bernays or some kind of jus from the pan dripping. I'll tell you what I do like. I don't like it on my meat unless, you know, I could see people putting on a filet mignon because filet is a terrible cut of meat. Sorry, Bill Simmons. <laughs> um, talk about marketing. Yeah. You know, the one cut that most of the world is like, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no flavor whatsoever. Yeah. It's yeah. zero flavor. You can't say, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother debate. But um, I think that um, A1's better on French fries, Ooh. like steak fries, huh? as a dipping sauce for things. Okay. I hate A1 sauce. I just, it's too overbearing. You hate it's A1 too sauce? dominant. It's too tart. It's too forward. There's no nuance to it. It's just kind of, just kind of like slaps you in the face with flavor. I don't like that. I want subtlety. You want subtlety. You want filet mignon, man. You want, you want, <laughs> no, you want meat that you can chew want, without tasting. I don't want lack of flavor. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. Here's a kind of random one. Swiss Army Knife. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. Yeah, okay. Tell me why. I mean, it can do a little bit of everything. It's, it, it's the thing that you wish you always needed or had on you when you're in a situation where you needed one. But mm-hmm. I will tell you one thing that is better than the Swiss Army knife, and that's just a, like a leather Leatherman tool. A what? Yeah, a Leatherman, Leatherman. tool. Oh, Leatherman. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't this that's thing? why the Swiss Army knife is overrated because the Leatherman is way better. The Swiss Army knife is the literal uh, personification of jack of all trades, master of none. It's got a, a shitty knife, a shitty pair of scissors, a shitty uh, tweezers, two things that I don't know what they are, and a, and a bottle opener. Like the Leatherman's way better, always, and you and you always ruin your like thumbnail on it trying to pull <laughs> yeah, it out. Pulling them out, I'm always like, is my nail gonna come off? <laughs> like trying to pull, like pick this thing out of its little red container. But you can't complain about it to anybody until now because you don't want to be seen as somebody <laughs> that is so. Because I don't want, I don't want to be the guy who's not tough enough to pull the knife out of my Swiss Army knife or to get the tweezers out of my Swiss Army knife. No, I had I had a Swiss Army knife as a Boy Scout. And I'll, I'll tell oh, you right a now, Boy Scout. I never used it. I was a really bad Boy Scout. I had to, I like, I excelled in school, but Boy Scouts was where they were like, uh, Chris is really falling behind the other Scouts. He's still oh, a, a tenderfoot and he should be a first class now. Um, anyway, I agree with Dave on the Leatherman, but I think the Swiss Army Knife is overrated because the other better tools exist. I think both are really good. I think Swiss Army Knife and Leatherman, just multi-tools. I, I meant really multi-tools. Multi-tools in general are, I think... Great inventions that are very useful in regular uh, everyday life. <laughs> Multi tools are great inventions. They are in everyday life. They are. They Why are, are you making fun of me? Why are you laughing I agree. at me? <laughs> just no. I, I'm not making fun of you. I just thought it was such a beautiful, quaint, and and uh, observation. I was, I was, uh, I wasn't making fun. I was charmed okay, okay. by your your earnestness. I, you know, I've been watching a lot of Ted Lasso, 
you know, in anticipation of season two. And I've just been, I've been trying to appreciate the little things, you know, we're all going to die one day. <laughs> this is the stuff I've been thinking about. Speak it's, for yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Lab grown organs, baby. <laughs> Live forever, eat forever. Um, speaking of things that we can eat forever, how do you feel about coleslaw? It's great. When done, I mean, I like coleslaw on sandwiches. I don't like it by itself. Ooh. And, and, and vinegar coleslaw is delicious. Mayonnaise coleslaw is delicious. In general, coleslaw is great. Even poorly made coleslaw, I can get behind. But uh, I will tell you that coleslaw within a sandwich is my preferred way to eat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if I'm eating barbecue, you get a side of coleslaw. I, I like to you know put that in between bread with the meat. I think that's how it should be done for me. Can you just tell me, how would you make a coleslaw, Dave? What is Dave Chang's coleslaw methodology? It's shredded cabbage, onions, and basically mayonnaise, the base base of it. So coleslaw is what you're describing. <laughs> no, yeah. but like the thing is, I was trying to get him because I just know that if we were, I've just spent a few days with Dave and, and Dave was in full, full riffing cooking mode. And I just had an image in my mind of, because that's, that's what I would say. I'd be like, oh, I shred some cabbage. I put some... Mayonnaise on there, and I got coleslaw. And but I just know Dave in the kitchen would be making a coleslaw at three hundred miles an hour, and I'd see a little fish sauce go in there. Yeah, I, I might, I might julienne some apples. I might put some celery salt in there. Here's all coming now. See, you know, I might put some Maggie. I put some MSG. I definitely would make it with QP. You know, I put some savory salt in there. Maybe how I'll important put some is scallions. how sweet do you like your coleslaw? You like sugar? Like any I put some agave? It should be balanced. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's why, like, I, in some ways, I don't want to see fruit, but um, and sometimes I do like uh, apple in my coleslaw. And, and you won't even notice that it's in there if it's julienne. Um, apple picking. Overrated or underrated? I mean, I used to do it on, on my grandparents' retirement community where they would have, like, a small orchard. But that's in Virginia? Like four, yeah. But... I've never done it in my life other than that. So I can't tell you what it's like because I will never do it ever. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> um, let me think. Is apple picking as an activity? I, I think it for me, it's overrated here. I mean, Dave is talking about the East Coast, actually. I just feel a little bit like apple picking... It's kind of like when you go to buy a Christmas tree in Southern California or like a pumpkin patch where you're like, you know, in its original form when this was like a farm somewhere and there was like actual hay and it was like a fall thing, it made sense and it was beautiful and fun and the kids went on hay rides, but it feels like it's the Disneyland version a little bit to hmm. so the, the ones I've been to. That being said, where my in-laws live in Sonoma and Sebastopol is a big apple part of the the state and a big apple growing region and a lot of apples originate from there. So like mm-hmm. there is some real apple picking going there. Underrated for me are all of the fucking amazing varieties of apples that exist outside of the red delicious. I'm, I'm so sick of seeing fucking Fuji, man. I oh, love the Fuji when I was a kid, yeah. but there's other shit out there. Yeah. yeah. And red delicious. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm not a fan of like the popular apples. Apple picking to me, it's just hard work. It's a lot of work and you're, you're spending a lot of time outside. I'm an indoorsman, as you know. An indoorsman. Yeah, an indoorsman. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Isaac. That's really God bless you. That's man. the best thing you've ever said. Wait, 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 wait. We need to start. A, is there a brand called Indoorsman? Indoorsman. We need to start an indoorsman like outfitters thing. <laughs> yeah, I like I like 
staying inside. Like we've evolved over millions of years so that we can have shelter all the time. Why don't we take advantage of it? The reversible soup jacket is the first thing that we're going to sell from endorsement outfitters. In- endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of work. I've gone in upstate New York and I've also gone near Los Angeles and it's just, I'm physically too exhausted to enjoy the literal fruit of my labor. You know, it's just too tiring. Christ, dude, are you are you anemic though? <laughs> no, like, I, what's going on? Are you okay? What's going on over here? I'd rather go so, to the beach. I'd rather go to the beach. The Honestly, I, I don't know what I just was said, or I, I, my brain, I, I, I can't even comprehend. What did, I, did I just travel in time? I don't know what happened. What did you just say? Because it made no sense whatsoever. I, it's, you're outside for too long. It takes too much work and effort. And you're just too, way too tired by the end Who of the day. Who are you, man? Are you Garfield the cat, dude? Like, I'm too tired <laughs> I hate Mondays. Apple I hate Mondays. To, pick, to eat the apples I picked. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so good, Isaac. Uh, okay. Speaking of things that you don't have to work for, filet fish Overrated or underrated? I used to get one with my friend Duke. Uh, his name was Duke. And he was a vegetarian in college. And when we were drunk... The only thing he would get at McDonald's would be the filet of fish. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever had a filet of fish in my life. Maybe once really? or twice. So I can't give it underrated or overrated. And it's another thing I will never eat. Uh, uh, on principle? Why would I eat that when I can have a hamburger? Okay. All right. I, let me take the contrarian position here because I, I think the filet of fish is underrated, not even on a. Um, Taste level. I ate a lot as a kid, actually. I ate a lot of filet of fish. It was my mom's favorite McDonald's order. I guess you're right. My mom ate that too, but like it's a very it's a popular mom order, maybe. But it's also a popular not white people order. And I think it's uh-huh. one of those things that gets kind of shit on as like a weirdo thing. Like, who why would you eat a filet of fish? Like it, it's it is definitely a food that made me feel weird the first time I went to McDonald's with my friends mm. and I ordered one <laughs> because like that's what my family ate. So maybe this is, this is personal, and maybe like not all Asian families eat filet of fish, but I know mine did. And uh, oh man, it's all coming back to me now. I remember. Can I tell a complete digression please, story please. that's related here? Love tangents. I was at a claim jumper one time in near Truckee, California, near Reno, and I. Uh, Dave has spoken on this show many times about my being the worst restaurant orderer of all time. Like I always managed <laughs> to pick the single worst and dumbest thing on a menu. And You're you not think good that, at it. You think that claim, <laughs> claim jumper is like pretty idiot proof? This was the nadir of my ordering, guys. I was at a claim jumper and I was like, liver and onions. <laughs> oh my God, Christopher. So my bad, my bad, right? Terrible, terrible for me. I, I, I left the table. I went to the restroom I was like, hey, order me something. I was looking at that liver and onions. My friends ordered it for me. And I came back and they were all kind of like quiet and sort of like giggling. And I was like, what happened? And they were like, oh, so when you left, we ordered that liver and onions for you. And our our, the server was like, only old people and Asians order that. (laughs) Oof. The server said Asians? Like that? Yeah, the server said Asians. And so I just refused to eat and I left the restaurant. But that's what the filet of fish made me think about is like these things... That you, like people see on the menu and think like that's for a certain kind of person, and whether or not they're good, it pisses me off. Fuck you, claim jumper. 
specifically the claim tripper wherever the fuck I was in that goddamn that fucking server, waiter. The racist yeah. server. What is a claim jumper? It's a chain restaurant that's like gigantic chocolate cake, chicken fried steak. And it's it's a like gold rush era themed chain restaurant. Uh, okay, okay. But I got, in, I got in a big fight with my then girlfriend, now wife, because I felt like she wasn't angry enough <laughs> and didn't understand fully why I had stormed out of the restaurant and refused to eat that. As we've referred to her many times, your white wife, Jamie. <laughs> my white wife. <laughs> Which feels very offensive. I apologize to Jamie, who I've never oh, met man. before. I'm sorry, guys. Let's just, I'm going to sit this next one out. I'm just fucking babbling. Just do, <laughs> no, no, no. Do, okay, do. okay. Just, this, is gonna be, this is going to be not a controversial question. Tetris. Are you guys big fans of Tetris? Have you ever played it at a high level? Yeah, Nintendo Game Boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. 30 years ago. Oh my God. Yeah, over 30 years ago. 30, 35 years ago. It was the last time I think I played Tetris on Game Boy. Mm. Were you any good? Are you, are you good at video games? Just Tech Mobile. Okay. And, and, and just okay. the only other game that I was truly great at was NHL Hockey 93. Mm, 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 mm. Jeremy Roenick. Blackhawks. Yeah. The, the move. Sports <laughs> games, I feel like it's a different class. Like, I'm bad at video games overall. But sports games, it's just sports. And I know sports. So I can play sports. Virtually, very well. Uh, Ying, I was so good at it, I would win with uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Whoa. <laughs> In NHL 93? Yeah. Wow. Timo Solani. Timo Solani, dude, yeah. <laughs> and I'd also play with Buffalo because Mogilny was on it and Grand Fuhrer and there was someone else. And my favorite player was Cam Neely, number eight on the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I-, I know that game very well. Yeah. NHL 93-94. I remember when that when when Favreau's movie Swingers came out and they were playing that NHL game. I was like, man, this movie really gets it. <laughs> it's the best <laughs> fucking game. It's true. It's true. That's why of all the things he's ever done, that was John Favreau's genius moment. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the things he's of ever done. Of all of the things he's, he's all, ever done. He's just been chasing that moment when he had yeah. Pink Dot and uh-huh. NHL in the same scene. I was like, man. John Favreau, the you know the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe and Star Wars guy, yeah, he peaked <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> he's just been he's been chasing that NHL scene ever since, <laughs> covering it up with all these Iron Men and uh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, siestas or midday naps, something I'm a big fan of. Overrated or underrated? Overrated for me. I think a midday Whoa. nap is overrated for me. I can't do a midday nap. I've taken really? three midday naps in my life all because I was jet lagged and they all sucked. Yeah, I'm jealous of those that can nap in the daytime, but I do admire Spain. To me, Spain is probably my ideal of a country that used to be number one. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Because this is what happens. <laughs> I just I just parsed what you said. <laughs> okay, I got it. All right. Uh, the ideal of a country that used to be number one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh-huh. great. Because they were number one for so long, people forget. Yeah, they were. They were. Like, <laughs> they were. Like, yeah. You know what's overrated? Colonialism, imperialism, global domination, <laughs> seafaring. Let's just. The Spanish Inquisition. Why are we taking things so seriously? You know, we're making people unhappy. Let's stop being number one. Let's stop this expansion. Let's stop hurting people. 
And let's start taking naps. Let's just start yeah. taking naps. No, I think over hundreds of years of being number one, it's just like, what's the point? You know, and and I I I've thought seriously, because I have traveled extensively through Spain and you know, whether you're traveling by train or something, I have thought about this so much that I feel like one of the evolutions of being number one it turned into the siesta. Without mm. doing any cultural anthropology whatsoever, I believe the siesta was a byproduct of their being so good and so dominant. That's interesting because I think that other that you, you might think of the cause and effect as like, wow, they started taking too many naps and they fell off the number one game. But you're <laughs> you're postulating. <laughs> I, I just think that after a while, like you get lazy, you get bored and lonely at the top. So it was an intentional move to just be like, we're going to be like number twenty seven. <laughs> This is so crazy. <laughs> is so I don't know crazy. if this is offensive or weirdly progressive. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I cannot tell. I honestly can't tell. But naps. No, it's it's. I, I'm I'm truly saying it as like a, a like I an anthropological Spain. theory that you actually have. I mean, without any research whatsoever, because I wonder how uh-huh. they could have embraced the nap. I I genuinely am impressed. I love Spain. I love the food of Spain. It's just me doing no research, just thinking like, how the hell did a a nap become a pastime? Like mm-hmm. part of their lore and going out at night is amazing. Eating yeah. dinner at like 11 o'clock PM. Oh, the yes. Best. The best. And like waking up at like 10. Amazing. Like it's my yeah. college schedule. That's the, that's the thing. It's college schedule. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I just think that again, like being number one made them be like, we don't want to be number one anymore. And, and, and in order to not be number one, you know what you have to do? You have to intentionally nationalize a nap time when the rest of the world is incredibly productive. <laughs> <laughs> nationalize nap time. Oh, my God. No. Um, okay. I don't know is how this to transition the most insane thing that. we've ever said? Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that is by far the craziest thing. If any anthropologists are, are listening to this podcast, please uh, Which give we us, know there are, please, so many. Yeah, please <laughs> give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and uh, write in what, what may or may not be true about Dave Chang's statement. The siesta. The siesta. Yeah, how did the it siesta evolve? Theory. Um, let's close this out with one of our recurring questions. I actually don't think we've actually done this in a while. But... Um, this week in microwave cooking, what have you guys been microwaving? Oh my god! <laughs> oh so my much. god! <laughs> I mean, you're asking this, Isaac. Uh, Dave and I just spent two and a half, three days with Dave doing literally nothing mm. but microwave cooking. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and before I, I'm, I'm now looking online, and. Uh, now here comes the My theory fact check. Is, is not so far not not true. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the origins of the siesta is hard to narrow down, mainly because the word itself raises questions of definition. Are we referring specifically to the Spanish practice of taking in the daily nap or the origins of naps in general? Because the origin of naps in general go back to not a surprise, one of the OGs of being number one, the Roman Empire. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, hey, now, mm-hmm. if anything, mm-hmm. there's more credibility to my mm-hmm. theory. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I guess we can't really. It's like this Wikipedia article seems to link it directly to being hot and full of food. 
like eating too much for lunch and being hot and like the siesta evolving yeah. also, from there. Also, this is actually not 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 true in the sense of like being so full of food of abundance when other countries are just like, we're so hungry. Yeah. This is a byproduct of them being number one. I'm just saying this oh is God. not that crazy. I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, back to microwaves. What have you been cooking in the microwave oven? I know you spent some time working with the Any Day folk. Craziest thing I cooked in there was uh, I boiled some eggs in the Any Day. And I'll, mm. I'll let everyone know how I do that, how I did that soon. But uh, I definitely had a breakthrough uh, in boiling eggs. Uh, we made it so it was a me- medium boiled egg. I think you can do a mm. soft boiled, but uh, mm-hmm. that was a big breakthrough. And... Um, I made, uh, what did I make with the roux? Soubise. Oh, yeah. I made onion soubise. Mm. And, uh, oh, I made a gravy. Oh. <laughs> I made a with, mushroom complete gravy. Complete with the roux, right? Complete with the yeah, roux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, microwave, all the microwave gravy. And they, it was delicious. It was delicious. It was good, right? I thought it was It was good. very good. And actually, the other thing, so I just, <laughs> last night, my, my wife's sort of like one of her favorite things in the world is sausage and peppers. And, uh. I love you, Jamie, but it's also the things in the world that she is least good at making. Uh, very not good at making them. And so the other thing that Dave and I were, Dave was messing around with when we were together was kind of roasting, quote unquote, roasting peppers in the in the any day bowls and then covering them up, letting the steam help you separate the skin. So last night I just, I took that method, cooked down some peppers, peeled them, did a soubise in the same bowl right after basically, and then just braised some sausages in those two things with some tomato and it was awesome and it like truly truly cut out like i mean if i were to try to do that dave probably like both of those processes probably cut 90 minutes out of my active cooking time between roasting and peeling peppers and then stirring onions and cooking them down so that was actually one of the best things i made and ate this week too wow that sounds amazing yeah pretty damn good yeah wow I'm still doing research on the siesta. Yeah, I can see. Uh, can, I can hear your like, mouse tapping. I just I was just looking at sleep.org. Dave, you'll hear that. <laughs> but it one. also makes me sad that Spain has mostly abandoned the nap for the adult working population. That's not cool. Yeah, they've become yeah. That's like getting rid of summer break for kids. Like you can't just be like, wait, I'm not allowed to take a nap anymore. Come on, man. That's not cool. <laughs> Year round uh, school. Fuck you. Yeah. God, I, I do. I, I I love Spain. Speaking of travel, I can't wait to get back to that country. Oh man, let's um let's close out this podcast here. Give us an outro, Chang. Um, go take a nap, everybody. Give us five stars. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do have an answer, the, the 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 evolution of the siesta, let us know. And right, give us uh, five stars and leave a comment about the history of that on our Apple iPod page. Did I say that right? I I know iTunes. Yep. You got it. Nailed it one. <laughs> iPod. No, pod podcast page. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. 
Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.